If the big goal is to see someone know Jesus and follow him, uh, I, my experience is some of the best Jesus followers are two, three, four-year-old children. Welcome to Better Children's Ministry, a weekly podcast from every generation ministries for anyone who wants to see children in their church transformed by the love of Jesus. Well, welcome again to Better Children's Ministry, a podcast of Every Generation Ministries, and I am David Jesse, the Ministry Advancement Officer here at EGM, and once again, we're joined today by Daniel Watts. How are you, Daniel? I am good. Good. Love to have you on here again. Uh, Before we get started, I want to take a minute, though, to thank some of our listeners who have given us some feedback uh, from the podcast. Uh, We're pretty excited about this. We had um, a comment from Michelle Lester Emerson, who wrote... I love this. Such a wonderful and inspiring podcast. Uh, thank you, Michelle, for that. Frida Hall, uh, from right here at Temecula. She's, uh, she's been in the office and volunteered some. She's listened to the podcast. She's a great podcast. If you work in youth ministry in any capacity, take a listen. And then, uh, I'm not sure. It's N9PPA. So, uh, that's, that's the uh, the username, I guess, from our, our podcast that they, they commented on. So relevant to true ministry, keep up the great work. So awesome. Please um, continue to send those comments in. Give us your feedback. We um, are thrilled when we get to hear how these episodes have been helpful to you, how they blessed you and encouraged you. If you haven't taken a chance to give us a rating and a review on the podcast app that you listen to our uh, our podcast on. We'd love for you to do that. It helps more people find the podcast. Uh, the more reviews it has, the higher it gets featured. And so people can learn more about um, what we do through that. Um, help them uh, get that same type of encouragement that you have uh, been getting. So that's awesome. Well, last week uh, we talked to Kristen Norcatus, EGM's leadership developer, and uh, it was a great uh, podcast episode, very encouraging. And um, we also uh, asked her a fun question. Uh, we asked her about her favorite sandwich and got to learn a little bit about Kristen uh, from that um, and her creativity from that. So we wanted to ask Daniel. We haven't had any of these fun questions with Daniel yet. Uh, so we wanted to get one an answer from him. So if you could invent a brand new holiday, what would it be? Well, I was thinking like there's every day has something attached to it. You know, like we have uh, International Celery Day in our office, which is like a big joke. <laughs> it's like a big joke. But I found out there is really a celery day. Like there's a day for everything. But here's mine. If I could choose a holiday, it would be International Bigos Day. Interesting. <laughs> Bigos is my favorite Polish food. One time, my wife and the kids were in the States, and I was back in Poland, and I actually ate Bigos for three days straight for three meals a day. So you've got to tell everybody what Bigos is. Okay, Bigos is, um, it's, I think, the comes from the word in Polish for, like, slashed meats or something. So it has, like, um, pork, beef, kielbasa that you cook the meats in, like, some garlic and onion, and then you have fresh cabbage and sauerkraut. A little tomato, tons of garlic, and it cooks for hours. And when I, a lot of people, you just put it on the stove and just like cook it for, you just keep it going. And just keep adding a little water to it and stuff. For days on it, right? Yeah, so it's like a, people will call like a Polish stew. It's killer. It's so tasty. So there you have it. International Bigo So So what time of year... Would would International Bigos Day? Oh, in place? the fall when it starts to get cold, a little cool out, and the fall leaves, and 
bring on the big so guys. Like in California, when it gets under seventy, consistently. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Something like November, early November, oh, yeah, late October. Be- International Bigos Day. All right, so now you're going to have to go ahead and just establish that to go along with International right. Celery Day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here, so exactly. Well, awesome. Uh, well, today's topic is one that I think is at the root of a lot of the struggles uh, in children's ministry. Uh, we've heard a lot of kid men leaders um, mention that they at times feel unappreciated, which people in ministry can generally have that happen, uh, but especially kid men leaders. Uh, but they feel like their ministry is undervalued. Um, so, Daniel, you have um, you shared with us at times that the, in the past people asked you when you were a children's pastor, when you were going to uh, graduate to real ministry, uh, because you, you know, that was like a stepping stone type position in their mind. I just met the guy who said that about, uh, 10 days ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he loves the ministry and I think would never think that way. That's been a long time ago. And he's a big supporter of our ministry and thinks children's ministry work is so awesome. So he figured you're just going to stay working in this, yeah. this other, this yeah, other exactly. children's ministry. It, but it is an undertone um, in many churches that that people sort of feel like children's ministry is pre-ministry or something like that. Um, it's that people that minister to children are really just serving people who aren't old enough to understand the gospel or, or even put their faith in God yet. Um, maybe not even able to make a, con- a meaningful contribution to the church. What do you think about this, Daniel? Why is it that children's ministry isn't sometimes not often viewed as real ministry? Well, I think uh, we were talking earlier about this, but I was just thinking too about Matthew 19, where the people bring children to Jesus and the disciples, um, not only do they try to stop the people from bringing children to Jesus, they, uh, rebuke them mm-hmm. for it. And it's like a big confrontation. And it's pretty clear that the disciples do not think that Jesus should waste his time with children. And when you read that passage, the word that's used there is referring, the NIV translates it little children. So it was probably toddlers and so on. So the, I think the current in that story is why would a charismatic leader who's going to change the world waste his time with toddlers? So part of me thinks it's just a historical problem that has roots all the way back to the New Testament. And it's, you know, so inspiring to me that Jesus reacts so strongly against the disciples for their actions. And uh, I think it's in Matthew that, or, and in Mark where it says he picked them up, ministered yeah. to them and prayed for them. So we can at least be comforted that Jesus loves children and they were important to him. So part of it, I think, is a historical problem. So you would think that since Jesus uh, in the Gospels is so clear that children should have a prior, be you know, take even some cases priority uh, when he talks about uh, ministry and discipleship and and the kingdom of God, you would think that the church would have followed that idea throughout its history. So I guess my question is: Has the church always? had the issues that we are talking about today or is it is it something that's kind of happened in the last few well i think centuries an, yeah i think another problem is the paradigm problem and we've all kind of operated in a ministry paradigm that puts a really big emphasis on uh you know god has a wonderful plan for your life you've sinned you can't experience that and 
Jesus died, and if you put your trust in him, you can experience God's wonderful plan for your life. And, you know, that's sort of the four spiritual laws. And if that's uh, what defines Christianity is understanding those, assenting to those, and uh, believing that those four things are true, if that's what Christianity is boiled down to in essence, then the real issue is about understanding that, uh, understanding your sinfulness, what Jesus did for you, and the whole cognitive um, issues around that. If that's what Christianity is, then I think a lot of people feel like it's all about decision-making and understanding. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the focus becomes uh, when can people understand and make decisions. And you hear a lot of people who work with high school, college students say they want to work with young people when they can make decisions at the Mm -hmm. decision-making ages. And I think part of the problem is we're operating in that paradigm where Christianity is boiled down to, do you believe that or not believe that? And so anything that's ancillary to that isn't that important. So you see that in the church today where we have invested a lot of money in big buildings and where we can get a lot of people together to hear that message and make a decision about it. And if you're in the children's ministry world, I think uh, that can tend to make you feel like your ministries pre-ministry. You know, we're going to get them to the point where they can make a decision someday. And when you're ministering with two-year-olds, that's pretty far away. And I think that people can feel like the ministry is devalued. So um, how would Jesus approach this? You know, he talked a lot about, he didn't, he didn't talk all the time about children, but what he said about children was pretty important when he said it. So, yeah, I think um, he clearly, he loved children. They are a priority to him. I think the issue is what did he say about what's the essence of Christianity and can children be part of that? And I think, if you read the last words he spoke, it wasn't about let's present these four laws and have people decide about them. The essence of Christianity is go make disciples of the nations. And a disciple is somebody who's following Jesus. And if we were to operate in a paradigm where our ultimate goal is to see someone become more and more Christ-like. And of course, the four spiritual laws are, are true and are an important part of that. But if the big goal is to see someone know Jesus and follow him, uh, I my experience is some of the best Jesus followers are two, three, four-year-old children. You know, when they hear the truth, they respond to it frequently, wholeheartedly, and they just hear the word of the Lord and want to respond. And I really feel like the message from Jesus is Jesus understands that. Jesus sees how he's working in the life of boys and girls. It's really important to him, and it should be important to us too, And because that's the paradigm he's operating in. It's like that boy in Romania that um, they were teaching about giving, and he brought his little Mattel kind of metal toy <laughs> and gave it to the teacher. And he meant that with such fervor and genuine heart as a gift to God, that two weeks later, he came up after church and asked her, you know, the car I gave God, could I borrow it back? (laughs) And I mean, I think that's the kind of wholehearted, 
Christ following that you can see in little children. And I think it's really valuable to God. I think we get caught in the wrong paradigm that devalues that and puts all the emphasis on a decision for Christ, which is about a cognitive, do you understand all that stuff? So I guess what it comes down to is understanding what discipleship really is. If discipleship is just cognitive learning, being able to pair it back doctrinal truths or theological things or books of the Bible or memory passages, then discipleship may not be what we can do with children. But if discipleship is simply following Jesus, then we can see the two-year-old do that. So if you're, you know, if you could say anything to these children's ministry leaders that are listening and parents and pastors even about how, how do you disciple a child and what does that look like? So the, um, I think the challenge is to understand how children are. You know, Proverbs 22, 6 is a really important mandate to train up a child in the way the child should go. And part of that's wisdom and applying God's word in real life settings in the Proverbs. But part of that's understanding how God made children. And, you know, two-year-olds are two-year-olds and they don't have a lot of cognitive skills and their motor skills are not developed. And um, mine is their favorite word and their second favorite word is no. And so there's um, just developmental characteristics there. But things that we've done when you work with children's workers, and I know this might not sound um, particularly profound to our um, a lot of people, but I think all children's workers will think it is because <laughs> we love children. But, you know, when you have little two-year-olds and you can um, sing worship songs mm-hmm. and they can praise God in the simplest ways as a, a child, I think that's precious. Mm-hmm. And it's learning that one of the most important things a disciple can do is is worship Jesus Christ and love him and tell him so. When you sit in a little circle and go around and say one word you're thankful for, or something you love about Jesus and maybe half the kids can't say much, but some can. And, you know, there's simple things that are age appropriate, developmentally appropriate things you can do, even with a two year old where they can feel part of a loving community. You know, a disciple isn't just um, somebody who's following Jesus and being like him. It's a, you're part of his family. There's that whole body metaphor in the new Testament. And if we can, um, hold a two-year-old in church and comfort them when they're upset, when you can play with them and they can find out that there's a man who loves them, who's not their dad. And church is a loving place to be where people care about me and we can do fun games together and we can build the block tower and knock it over and then do it again and laugh and have joy together at church. I feel like those are all just little building blocks in the discipling of a two-year-old. And I think, you know, one of the big messages in the New Testament is the kingdom of the world is going one way and the kingdom of God is going a different way. And when you hear somebody who's, you know, I've got my master's of divinity um, from a big seminary. I, to me, that's like really precious ministry to make blocks in a tower and knock them over with little boys and teach them the church is a wonderful, fun place to be. But I imagine that most people, even in the church, because the world has such a huge influence on us, think that's a waste of time. But that's exactly the issue in Matthew 19. Why would Jesus spend time with two-year-olds? I mean, 
That's like crazy. That's not going to change the world. It's about it's something as simple as just loving the children. It's like a different paradigm. Yeah. Wow. And then how God uses that in their lives. So what encouragement do you have for children's ministry leaders who uh, may be questioning whether uh, the work that they do, the ministry they do is valuable? Well, it shouldn't be unexpected. I'll say that because <laughs> it, you know, it happens and it happened with Jesus and it happens in the new Testament. And, you know, that's not, no, it shouldn't surprise us and shock us. I think we just have to get a different paradigm and a different way of thinking about our ministry. And if the world wants to think about it and it's not important and um, it's not really valuable and we need to wait till they grow up and can make decisions and so on and so forth. Well, that's just a different paradigm and it's the wrong one in my view. I think God loves children. They're important to him. And those things that people think aren't important are the most important things to God, actually. So when you, I mean, I'll just say this, the things that cause you to feel least valued and the least important part of your ministry to children are most likely the most important things to God. Wow. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. And uh, thank you for listening to the Better Children's Ministry podcast. Um, again, please uh, take some time to subscribe if you haven't, uh, comment, give us a rating and review, and share this with others that um, may be uh, feeling a little discouraged in the, the work that they're doing with children in their churches. Uh, give them some encouragement with this. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Better Children's Ministry. To learn more about EGM, go to egmworld.org.